0: We are looking at the prayer in difficult times. I don't know if we'll take uh, just if we'll end it just here today or we'll go into one more week with it. Um, I have a lot more that we could do on this, but I don't want to get too far away from our um, spiritual armor series either, so we'll come to that decision but we'll we'll cover a good bit with these two stories that we're looking at here in Matthew 15 and John 11. Last week we we're looking at the Nobum and the centurion so that if you are casual about your doctrine your expectations will not rise above the level of mediocrity this, uh, These both of these gentlemen here the nobleman and the centurion the foundation of all their actions was what they heard but it makes no difference what we hear if we do not turn it into some kind of an action and they had done it the nobleman came to Jesus from a distance, and the centurion had his great statement of faith. So they both turned what they heard into an action. In order for us to walk in a principle, we must either understand it or by faith accept it. And we spent a little bit of time talking about that. But we saw that Jesus did not minister to people's difficult situations with what he believed and understood but what they opened the door to Him through their belief and understanding. If Jesus didn't minister to people outside of that realm, we can't either. I've got to determine, if I'm praying for other people, if I'm ministering to other people, I've got to determine what have they opened the door to and what have they opened or closed the door to. Because I can't open a door that they have closed. I have to find out what they're what they're up to. Brother Hagan would share with us some stories sometimes that he was trying to get people up to his level of faith, and he learned that's not the way to go. You have to uh, get them on a level of faith and come down to their level. Now, sometimes people are not on a level of faith or on a level of unbelief. It doesn't mean that you go down to that level. You're not going to get anything on, on that spot. But anyway, that's a topic for another night. Let's take a look at the Canaanite woman here in Matthew chapter 15. Verse 21, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, she had heard about Jesus. This is another one. She heard some things about Jesus. She is involved in a situation that her daughter is severely demon-possessed. I don't know exactly what that means, but she wasn't just demon-possessed. She was severely demon-possessed. Now, if you have somebody in the house that is severely demon-possessed, you know that can make for a very unpleasant household. This thing could be waking her up at night, throwing fits at nighttime, doing things at uh, uh, inconvenient times, and just making everyone's life miserable. So this is the difficult situation that she's in. They're living through this. They haven't been able to find a way to get any, uh, any fix, anything taken care of with this. She hears about Jesus. She knows that he has cast the demons out of people. And she is determined, if I go to Jesus, he will do something. Now, it doesn't really say exactly what she expected him to do. Did she expect him to come with her? Or did she expect him to just speak a word? But she is very easily satisfied when he just speaks a word. So it seems like she would have been satisfied if he would have just stopped and done the same thing with the centurion and the nobleman and just spoke a word to her situation. It would have seemed that she would have been satisfied with it. But she comes to him knowing some things. She comes to him knowing what he can do, knowing that he is willing to do things, knowing that his purpose is in this area. And so with that, she comes, and even though she's not getting the response from Jesus right away, she continues. She doesn't just back down. She doesn't just stop. Uh, in Mark's gospel, it says that she kept continually asking. I gave you the reference there. We don't need to turn over to it, but... She kept continually asking him. Kept coming after him. Kept saying this over and over. And Jesus is just not responding. How would you take this if you were someone in Jesus' day and you came to him and you kept asking? He's not even acknowledging you. He's not saying no. He's not saying yes. He's not saying later. He's not saying on my way back. He's not saying anything at all. He's just ignoring you. That can certainly have an effect on, on you but it doesn't seem to stop her. She keeps pursuing him and asking him to do this. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus knows his purpose. He wants to operate within that purpose. She is outside of the purpose he has, the jurisdiction he was given, where he was sent to. He knows others will be sent after him into these areas. But right now, that's not something that he's supposed to do. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, that could be offensive to a lot of people. people. You get in the church and the pastor says something like that to you, you can get offended and walk out the back door. And uh, that'd be it. But she doesn't. She stays with it here. Now, Jesus, it said, had purpose to pass through. He said his purpose. He's, he's trying. He's over in this area. I don't want to do anything in this area because this is not my purpose. And he he said his purpose, he said his direction to go right through here. I'm going through. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. I am just going through. Kind of like if you were to go out to the mall with someone who likes to shop and you just wanted to go out to the restaurant that was in the mall. Now look, we are just going out to the restaurant. Don't be looking at all the stores. Don't be making a stop at all the stores. We're going in here. We're heading to the Cheesecake Factory. It happens to be in the mall. So we have to go through the mall. But this is all we're doing here. You're trying to see this is all we're doing. And as they're walking on through, oh, shoes, <laughs> you know, something like that, we see some things that we want to go take a look at. And uh, so this is kind of what Jesus is doing. No, I'm not stopping. I'm not taking time in here. I have a thing I'm supposed to be doing. And being here is not it. And so he's purposed that. But she's also set a purpose. So she's on a purpose and Jesus is on a purpose. She's on a purpose to get an answer for her daughter. And to fix up this difficult situation that's in her house. There's nothing spiritual about what's going on there in her house. This is just a tough situation that they're in. It's not hindering the gospel. It's not hindering anybody in their purpose that we can we can tell. It is just... Unpleasant. So Jesus, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, many people will come to God when they need something or when they're in difficult times. You all know that. How many of you have seen people? When things are tough, now they're coming to God. Now they're coming. I want to learn some things about prayer. I want to go to church with you. Why? Well, you know, I got these things going on. and (laughs) uh Uh-huh. And as soon as those things get taken care of, what happens? Then they disappear. Israel did it too. They would come back to God when things got difficult. And as soon as things started to get better again, they would leave them. And then they would go and pursue other things, and things would get difficult. They'd come back to God. Uh, we've read one scripture not too long ago. God said, look, I keep fixing you, and you keep going back to these other idols. Go talk to them. <laughs> he's, he's done with them. Let's pick out in verse 27. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So Jesus saw this as a great statement of faith. All I need is a little crumb. I don't need to be at the master's table. I don't need to take a place where I... I haven't been given a seat. All I need is a little crumb and we'll get this thing taken care of. And so all he says to her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. There aren't too many people, he talked about them having great faith, but she is one of them. So this is a difficult time but she does not pursue A woe is me attitude. Sometimes people come to God in a woe is me attitude. Oh, I'm trying to play on God. Uh, Look at how tough it is for me. Oh, please have mercy on me. Feel sorry for me. She doesn't come after him with a feel sorry for me attitude. She comes after him with a faith attitude. I know what I can believe for. And she kept pressing into it. I don't need the bread. I just need a crumb. Just stop for a moment. Speak the word. It's gone. Jesus did that, she was content, and she left. Christians more often pursue mercy from God. They pursue mercy to endure. They pursue mercy to suffer through. Or for God to just do the work. Oh God, I can't do anything. Just have mercy on me and get it done. No faith involved at all. Less often is victory over it pursued through faith. But we need to learn how to pursue, like this woman did, how to pursue to get the victory through faith. That's what she did. Jesus saw it. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, Jesus' response to her is probably different than what she is expecting. She probably came expecting one thing, but she didn't get that. She probably thought at least Jesus would stop and talk to her, but Jesus didn't even stop and talk to her. And, I don't know, we sometimes go to God and we get a response that is different than what we think. know, how do we handle that? Does that throw us? Sometimes our faith is in Jesus' response or what we think God's response will be, not faith in what he said, not faith in what he promised. So she had her faith lined up here and did well with that. Is our faith, i put this in your outline for you, is our faith in what we expect his response will be or his word? We have to make sure that we're clear. No, my, my faith is in his word, not in his response. You can see this with Moses. Moses, when he was dealing with God, would sometimes get a response from God that was very aggressive, very angry. But Moses kept his faith in the word of God. You said this. You spoke this. So I'm gonna hold you to that. He didn't put the faith in the response. We have to remember to do that. Follow these other, other people that have gone on before us. If a response different from what we expect from the situation, from those involved, or Jesus can shift our confidence in what we are seeking, then our stand will be altered. And the whole thing of spiritual warfare is that we stand. So if you can get your stand to be altered by these things, then your spiritual warfare won't go so far. It won't do so well. We've got to make sure that I don't key up for a response. Don't ever key up for a response. We've we've told you this and don't believe God for a good report. That's being keyed up for a response. I'm believing for a, a positive response. You don't get that response, it's going to throw you. Your your faith has to be in the Word of God, not in the response that the the doctors say, not in the responses that the tests bring, not in the response that your family has towards us. Oh, we're all in there with you. You just believe God. We're right there. We don't usually get too many family members that do that, do we? They're always there. No, you need to do this. You need to. Aren't you afraid that this might happen? That's usually the responses we get. But. Stay set on this. I'm sure that this woman probably had some negative responses from the crowd. Because if Jesus is not responding, and the disciples we know, they're not too favorable to this whole thing, then that attitude will spread to other people. And they're all probably telling her, you know, be quiet. Hush up. You don't need to be bothering Jesus. Another story I was going to look into, kind of bypassed it on this one, but blind Bartimaeus. The people are telling him, hush, be quiet, stop making so much noise. He wasn't getting a very favorable response from the crowd. That didn't matter. He just shouted all the louder. The word of God said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And finally, he got Jesus' attention. Oh, now he's calling for you. Come on. Let me bring you up. (laughs) So don't look at the response from the situation. Well, I thought that if I would stand and do this, that the situation would back down. The situation would alter. The situation would change. Don't worry about those that are involved. They may not respond the way that you expect to. Maybe your boss isn't responding the way you expect to. Maybe your neighbors, maybe your family members aren't responding the way you expect them to. Maybe the doctors aren't responding the way you expect them to. But don't, uh, don't lose sight of what the Word of God has to say. Now, if you were in this fight, what parts of spiritual armor would be engaged? Well, first off, the belt would be engaged because... Your faith has to be built on truth. This woman had great faith. That great faith came from great truth. She didn't just understand a little. She understood a lot. You don't get great faith with little understanding. You get great faith by having great understanding. The centurion had great faith because he greatly understood what Jesus was doing. Same thing here with this woman. So the belt of truth was involved. If that truth was messed up, Then she wouldn't have had the faith that she did, which brought about the change. The breastplate. Boy, if you don't have your relationship down with God, if you don't know that you're on firm standing with righteousness, boy, she could have had that throne. Nope, nope, nope. I can stand before Jesus. I can do this. And she had an understanding that let her do this. Not all Christians do. They'll sometimes back down a little too quick. She had the shield. How many thoughts would have been coming to her with the things that she was facing at home, with the crowd that she was interacting with, with the fact that Jesus not responding to her. She could have gotten lots of thoughts, but her shield of faith kept those things at bay. And it would seem that she had a word spoken to her. She had a sword because she had a revelation about the crumbs. That's what got Jesus' attention on this. That's what turned it around for her. He's not willing to do anything. I'm not going to give you anything at all. And she said, hey, we can even just the crumbs. That's what got Jesus' attention. That's something that was revealed to her. That was something that she was open to receive. She heard it. And when she saw this, she saw the opportunity to do it. So that's some of the places where you can look for where the spiritual armor is. You ought to just try and practice this as you're going through some of the stories. Just try and practice it. Where's the armor at? Let's go over to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 1. Blind Bartimaeus and this woman show us very much the same principles, so I bypassed the Blind Bartimaeus story to take a look at this one, because this one shows, shows us a different principle in praying in difficult situations. Now, you can see that this is a difficult situation. This borders on between difficult situation and spiritual warfare, though. It's a difficult situation for Mary and Martha. And it's a difficult situation for Lazarus. But it's a spiritual warfare situation for Jesus. So it's not for them. They're in a difficult situation. There's no spiritual warfare involved. For Jesus, they're trying to get him back into the city. The devil wants to wipe him out before his time. That's where the spiritual warfare is going on. And that there is an aspect of this here, but there's also just this simple, difficult situation going on. Verse 1, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed Jesus, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this came up in his spirit. This is similar to when Paul was on the boat. I perceive that this voyage will end in a loss of life and cargo. He perceived that. Jesus is telling in his spirit. He's sensing this is not unto death. Now, he does die. But he's perceiving this is not unto death. The end result won't be death. But we didn't make a pit stop in the death area for a little while. (laughs) But this is just what is coming up in his spirit. So he hears this, and this is what's coming up in his spirit. He knows it came up in his spirit. He speaks it out. Sometimes when people come to you with a difficult situation, they want you to pray with them on. Or if you are just the one who's involved in the difficult situation, listen to your spirit. In your spirit may come up words. These are God-inspired words. Do like Jesus did. Speak them out. Yeah, when well, people will think I'm nuts if I say that. You don't care what they think. The woman, the Canaanite woman, she didn't care that people thought she was nuts. She just stayed with it. And Jesus doesn't care that they think he's nuts either. He stays with it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha. Now, don't get people take from that. They, they read into this. They say, well, it's because... God wanted to do a great miracle, and we've gone over some of these things for this story before. God wanted to do a great miracle, and by letting him die, and then raising him from the dead, the great work was done. No, that's not the work that was that was being done. The enemy planned a trap for Jesus, and you can see that. We'll 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 hit the verse here at the end. The disciples were so convinced they were going to die, they say, "Let us go and die with him." But God knew how to dispel this whole thing and to bring Jesus in. And uh, that's what he did. He waited until the fourth day. He came on in. And they had dispersed their little trap. And Jesus came in, went right to the tomb, raised them up. Now how are you going to take, care, take out a guy who just raised somebody up on the fourth day of him being dead? And so all that was uh, undone. That's the glory of God, not in a set-up miracle. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, it just doesn't make any sense when you read that. Why does he stay two more days? Why not get out right away? Because he knows in his spirit he's not walking in the nighttime, he's walking in the daytime. He sees this. They're laying a trap. They probably had this trap. They are waiting for Jesus to come. As soon as he comes, they're going to go out there and get him. And as soon as he's dead, they waited for a day probably. They waited for two days. They probably waited for three days. But the Jewish people believed not scripturally believe that on the fourth day the spirit left the body went up into to uh abraham's bosom not heaven but abraham's bosom and up until then jesus could come and raise him up from the dead because they know that he has done this but after he hadn't come on the fourth day they said guys he's not coming let's just go back to what we were doing we thought we had it here so it seemed that jesus would spend some time praying While he stayed there the two days. Now initially he had this word come up on the inside of him. Now I say that he spent some time praying. I don't have any prayers that he prayed. I don't have anything that he did. But what we do have. Is that by the end of these days. He has more information. Than he had before. Now no one came and told him anything more. Otherwise the disciples would have known. So the only way he would have gotten this is if he was in prayer. And the Spirit of God told him, like he told him many times, these are what they're thinking, this is what their plans are, this is what they're doing. The Spirit of God told him that very often. So this is the common thing for Jesus to be able to hear this. So he hears in his spirit, while he is praying for this situation, Lazarus has died. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, "O oh, friend Lazarus, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him." Then his disciples said, "Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly. Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Tom, Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So Thomas gets the bad rap a lot of times because he's called dotting Thomas, but he's the first one who says, let's go and die with him. So we, not necessarily always a dotting Thomas. Now, Jesus made a connection with the Holy Spirit, and he knew several things about the situation. The Word of God exhorts us that when we are praying for situations like this, that we are to take hold with the Spirit. It uses a particular Greek word when it says that. That means, and we've broken this down for you before, to take hold together with. That if you were to go and ask somebody, would you help me move this table, uh, you don't expect them to come and to watch you, <laughs> nor do they expect to come and you watch them. They come expecting to help, so you get part of the table, they get part of the table, and you, and you carry that out. If you were to go out and ask somebody, "Will you help me move on Saturday?" Well, you go out there and you uh, let's help me move. So you, um, uh, you don't expect the people that you invited to come and help you move to sit there and watch you, and they don't expect in helping you move to sit there and watch you, or you watch them uh, sit around and do nothing. So. There's a taking hold together with, and this is what needs to happen in the realm of the Spirit. We need to take hold with the Spirit of God. And this is what Jesus does. He will take hold with the Spirit of God, and in that taking hold, He knew Lazarus has died. But He also knew, seems to be, that He knew, that this needed to happen. Lazarus needs to die. Because that trap, they're gonna, they're gonna stay there and they're gonna wait for you as long as He's, He's not dead. So Lazarus died. And Jesus also knew He was to go and wake him. He knew, He didn't say, well, He he died, but He's just, we're just going to speak the word and He's going to rise. He didn't do that. He knew from what He was doing, no, you need to go. You need to go out to the tomb. You need to call for the tomb to be open. Because all that Jesus did is stuff that he saw being done. We we know that's what he's, he says that he does. So he had this. We're to go to the tomb. We're to uncover the, the, uh, the tomb and bring him or call him out. Lazarus, come forth. And so he did all that he was supposed to do. He went there. He went to the place. And he accomplished this. That's what he saw to do. Many times in our modern era, we have heard, we have read books of uh, people like Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, the things... Anybody never read a, a book by Smith? Anybody not read one? Totally? Inf- All right, a couple. If you re- read some of his books, or some of the books that have been written about him, you would be very uncomfortable in one of his meetings. He has flat out kicked people um, done things that you would look at and say, no, that's going to hurt them. I know, I, I think if I remember it right, he punched one person. He walked into a funeral parlor and uh, the person saw him and said, Smith, you're here too late. His words were, God doesn't send me anywhere too late. Went over to the tomb, grabbed the guy out of the coffin, threw him up against the wall and said, live. The entire funeral parlor is clearing themselves out. <laughs> And he threw him up against the wall. Live. I don't know how many times he did, the number of times. Live. And then finally he blinked his eyes and he goes, Smith. (laughs) And he was alive. Now you got to know that God told you to do something like that. Smith did some things that just would make your hair crawl. Oh my, it's just. But you see, he he knew what he was supposed to do. He saw himself doing it. And he went out there and he did it. And he had that confidence. He had that gift of faith to know the end from the beginning, and so he would go out there and to and to do that. Brother Hagen would tell stories where God told him punch her in the stomach. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> I mean, if it was a guy, it was one thing, but this was a lady who came for prayer had this tumor in her stomach, and the Lord told him punch her, punch her in the stomach. And but that's gotta hurt. I mean, she got. But he stopped arguing. Punched her in the stomach, and the whole thing just deflated. And went right down, and she was healed. Now, you've got to make sure that you have God's <laughs> word on that. Don't be imitating people <laughs> like that. But this is what they did. Jesus saw some things to do. He knew that he was dead. He knew he had to go and raise him up. And he knew the end of this situation was certain. He knew it. He knew what the end was. Before they left town, he told them, I am going to raise him up. He's not, he's not saying we're going to go try and raise him up. I think this is what we're going to do. No, he said this is what we're going to do. He knows it. Somehow he was praying during these couple of days and he stayed in there with God until, with the Holy Spirit until he broke through until they connected, until they reached the thing. And when they reached the thing, all right, here it is. This is what's going on. And these things were spoken to him. And so he spoke them out to his disciples. I put in your outline, once a connection is made or a breakthrough in the spirit, there is no need to keep praying. There is no need to keep praying. Once you have that breakthrough, if you are praying for someone else, if you are praying for something for yourself, you make that connection in the spirit. And you feel like something was done. Brother Higgin would tell us stories. I remember one, he had a burden to pray. And they just got uh, praying in the middle of the night and were praying and praying and praying. They they didn't know what they were praying about. He and his wife, I think it was, they were praying, just praying and praying. Didn't know what they were praying about, but they got it. They could tell because you went from that seriousness in prayer to all of a sudden the joy of the Lord came in. Oh, and they, they felt that joy of the Lord came in. When that came in, they knew that they had they were done. They reached it. They made that connection. They broke through, whatever you want to call it. And the next day is when I believe that was the situation where they uh, had the fire down with the miners. And uh, I believe 25 men were trapped down in the mine shaft and there was a fire. They finally got the fire out. They thought there would be no hope for these guys to be uh, to survive. But uh, they were there. Every single one of them was alive. And once he heard about it, they came and said, will you pray for them? We well, you don't have to. We already prayed through that. That's what we were praying about. We already got the answer. They didn't pick it up in prayer again. We already got the answer. And they stayed with it. And so this is what we need to do, what we need to know when we pray through these things and you get that answer, you make that connection. Do not go back into prayer for that same thing. You already got the answer. What are you trying to go back into prayer for? You're just satisfying some religious notion. You're just satisfying some some. Uh, well, uh, I feel guilty if I don't if I'm not in there praying. Look at these other people; they're going, they're praying. Don't matter what they're doing. Makes no difference at all. Remember the the people with Peter. I still don't think those people in the in the room had anything to do with Peter getting out. I'm not sure who it was that was praying. It may just have been Peter. Peter's he he may have prayed through, got the answer, and said, "Well, I just go to sleep." We got the answer on this thing. It may just have been Peter. It wasn't them. Because they're still over there carrying on, and the answer's already done. If it was them, if they had made the connection, then when the answer was there, they would have known it in their spirit. Ah, oh, we got there. We, we broke through. But they don't know it, so they're not making the connection. You don't always need a ton of people praying on a situation. As long as you get one who can make that connection, you're good. That's what you need. Go through a number of times in the Word of God. All God needed was one person who made that connection. And it was done. How many people are making a connection about Lazarus? How many people were in prayer on this to make this connection? None of the disciples. And it isn't Mary and it isn't Martha. And Lazarus is dead. So it's not them. There's only one person in this entire group who's making this prayer. Who's going through and who's battling this. And that is Jesus. That is it. But he got through. So, until someone makes the connection, the end result may not be certain. Someone's got to make that connection. Someone's got to pick up the battle, pray through until they make the connection. I love that story. I've told it a few times. Uh, Brother Dave Roberson would tell the story. I forget whether he knew the people or if he just heard the story. I'm pretty sure he had a connection with the people and knew them, but... Um, this was some uh, a submarine that had lost power and mysteriously sank to the bottom of the ocean. And there was no Christians on board at all. And so they decided, the, uh, the one boy uh, stood up and said, well, my mom knows how to pray. <laughs> hey, but if we all get together in the best way we know, ask God to get a hold of her and pray for us. <laughs> so they did that. And um, they all asked God to get a hold of her. And she was woke up in the middle of the night. And so she got down and she knew to pray. She got down on her knees. She was praying. She was praying through. She made the connection. When she made the connection, she saw the whole thing unfold. She saw the submarine. She saw it sink. And she prayed through, got the answer. And the submarine just mysteriously, for no reason at all, just rose up to the surface and then got to the surface. They were able to call for help and get people to come on out then. And and uh they had the air to come on in. They weren't uh, cut off from that. And when he finally did get home, he came to his mom and said, "Mom, you're never going to guess what happened?" And she said, "No, let me tell you." <laughs> and she told him what happened and um and that was how it was uh, there's even times Brother Hagin would tell us stories that he's telling other people "No, let me tell you what happened and uh, there was one situation where he was praying for his kids and um uh, I just heard this story I just heard him tell this story recently where he said uh Pat was dating Buddy Harrison at the time. And uh the Lord so- told him, and Buddy was not a good character. He was terrible. He couldn't hold a job. There were a lot of times he'd just sit there with his cigar puffing away and blowing smoke in Brother Hagin's face. Can you imagine doing that? Blowing smoke in Brother Hagin's face. <laughs> well, couldn't imagine doing that, but he would do that. And uh Brother Hagin just let it go. But during this, this time going on, the Lord spoke to him, and told him. Now, uh, Pat and Buddy are already married. They eloped; they just didn't tell anybody. But that's okay. Buddy's it's, it's going to be good for her. It didn't look good in the beginning. And then uh, now he says, now the now Ken's got that uh, blonde that she that he's dating. That's what he called her. <laughs> got that blonde that she's dating. She's no good. He needs end that. And so it wasn't uh, too long after that, he had uh, Ken on the phone. And, uh, and Ken said, Dad, I need to tell you something. And Brother Hagan said, no, let me tell you. Pat's already married. Yeah, how would you know that? Because I was praying, and the Lord told me. He also told me that blonde, you're dating, you need to get rid of her. He said, I know, God told me that too, I already got rid of her. <laughs> I already broke up with her. But these are the kind of things that uh, that can go on. When you take hold and you pray with. But once you get the answer. Don't keep praying. Jesus doesn't. As far as we can tell. There is no more prayer. There is no more revelation. He has all he needs. And he goes in there equipped with it. When it was. You only need to do what was shown to do. Once it was. Once you made made that breakthrough. You only need to do. What was shown to do. Jesus had a breakthrough. God showed him what to do. Probably even told him when to leave. He left when he was supposed to leave. He got there when he was supposed to get there. He did what he was supposed to do when he got there. So for Jesus, it started with going to him. I have to go to Lazarus. So he started with him going to Lazarus. Now if you were in this fight, what parts of the spiritual armor would be engaged for Mary and Martha? Well, the belt would be engaged. That would be who Jesus is. They kind of loosened that one up a little bit because they started accusing Jesus of things that he wouldn't do. Why weren't you here? Don't you care? So the belt of truth was a little bit loosened up for them. The breastplate. You can be thinking that you did something to bring this on. The shield. They had thoughts about Jesus that just weren't true. They had thoughts about the situation that just weren't true. They were in, in doubt and unbelief and fear and angst and worry. It would seem that they had no word spoken to them. All they spoke was, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They both said that. Now, do you think a sword was waiting for them? If they would have, if they would have gone after this in the right way, do you think God would have spoken to them? Something similar, like he spoke to Jesus, probably. But they didn't pursue this this way, so their armor is a mess, (laughs) which is why they were they were they were a bit of a mess. Now you see, when you when you pray in these situations, you you need to. It's not just a matter of declaring faith. It's not a matter of just all right. Well, so and so is sick. I'm just going to declare. I'm just going to stand. I'm just going to do these things with them. Uh, that's not always what it needs to be. Sometimes you need to just get on your knees and pray in the Spirit. And you need to sometimes pray in the Spirit for a little while. You're looking to make that connection. Brother Hagin would teach us, he says, you know, I'm praying on this, but uh, Holy Spirit, you're not connecting with me. I remember one time he, he told us a story, he says, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. And he explained to him wh- why that wasn't going to happen. I don't remember all the details of that story, I'm not going t- to try to get into that one. But there are times when you, when you have to to do this. You know, we were going through the things with with Etta. uh It wasn't just a matter of let's just going out there and let's just make declaration. Let's just make a declaration as to, to um, well, edit is healed. Eda is healthy. We could just make declarations. But see, I know as the more of that's going on, they knew more than that was going on. In the morning, I'd wake up and we had the same th- going on with Keith. We had the same thing going on with with Etta, all at the same time. And so I just would wake up early. I altered my, my day pattern. I'd wake up early and I'd spend an hour or so just praying in the spirit, down on my knees, praying in the spirit. And my knees, knees are older than they used to be. I, I don't get to last down on my knees quite as long as I used to, to last down on my knees. So uh, I would get up and I'd go for a run. And the whole time I'm running, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm not listening to uh, teaching. Not listening to anything like that. I, I turned all that off. I'm just praying in the spirit. Praying, and then I come back, and I uh, and I pray some more. And I remember it was uh, one day in particular. It was a Tuesday morning, and I was down on my knees, and I was praying on this this thing for Eddie. In fact, I, I I wrote it down. But I, I figured maybe one day I, I might share that. I wrote it. Da- I wrote it down for them. In my spirit, I made a connection, and in my spirit, it came up. And um, I'll have to pull that up. I'd rather just say it to you. But it came up for me what it was about it uh, being normal. And uh, that something was going to be changed that day. And so I, I wrote it up in a, in a text message. And I sent it out to my wife. I sent it out to uh, my daughter. Sent it out to, to my son-in-law, Nikolai. And I, I told him exactly what was going on. Now, after I got that, I got up and I went out. I I'd already got the, I already made the connection on that. Now, I need to stay with that. Now, see, my role in all that was to make sure that I stay with what I was told. I wasn't in the thick of the fight. Nikolai and Alyssa were in the thick of the fight. They were the ones who were hearing the things from the doctors. They were the ones who were seeing the things in uh, Baby Etta. They, they were in the thick of the fight. I was removed from that for the most part and was able to, to all right, this is what, what it said. And I was able to maintain that and to, to do those. That was my role to to do that. But with Brother Keith, we never made a connection. My wife would say, what are you getting on on that? I said, I'm just not connecting on it. And I I, I don't know what it is. I'm not connecting. I'm praying just as uh, fervently on that as I did with with Ed. I'm just not connecting on this one. And she said, yeah, I'm feeling the same thing. We're not making a connection. She wasn't making a connection. I wasn't making a connection. And we never, never got anywhere with that one. I don't know exactly why. I don't need to know why. It's not my business. If God wants to make it my business, then he tells me what, what's going on. But um, my role is to to press in. Just like Brother Hagin, you're not connecting with me on this. I'll take on some battles <laughs> until the, the Lord says, don't take that battle on. Remember uh, Samuel? He's praying there for Saul. Get up. Get up. No more of this stuff. All right. Well, if, if God hits you with that, get up. Then you get up. You don't press into it anymore. But until that happens, I'll stay down in there, and I'll keep battling, I'll keep pressing in and, until we can get what we need. But there are times when this, when you're praying for other people or even praying for something for yourself, you need to be down on your knees and doing this. Now, as we go through life, our ministries change. We, we change from one thing to another. And I notice when you're, when you're younger in life, there's a lot more demands that are put on you. You have to. You have a demand at a, at a job. You have a demand with kids. You have a demand with all sorts of stuff that you have to do. As you get older, there are less demands. And we have more time to do this. And we have more time to press in. If I never, as I get older and I take on some of these, if I never move into that, I will lose purpose. But it does not mean that God lost purpose for me. It means that I lost purpose. I have to make sure that I, I press in and I find those things to do. One of the things that, that, you know, that, uh, that has changed just for, for me in the, in getting purpose is, you know, when I was younger, I loved being busy. I loved working 50 hours at this job, 30 hours at this job, 20 hours at this job. I loved it. I just, I couldn't get enough of it, especially for some of his ministry. I just, I fed off of it. I love these kind of things, but it's, it started to, to switch some, and I was listening to some things Brother Hagin was sharing. Oh, I understand why that switched. I understand why that changed a little bit, and um, uh, we've I've pressed in more instead of just uh, spending some time on Tuesday and a lot of time on Wednesday getting ready for Wednesday. I'm spending time on Monday. I'm spending time on Tuesday, most of the day on Tuesday, and I'm spending most of the day on Wednesday listening to stuff, and I'm hearing stuff I never heard before. I'm seeing things I've never seen before. And then, you know, you pick up on Thursday, Friday, and I'm seeing stuff uh, for down the road. Oh, boy, I can't wait to get into that. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get into that. And a lot of that is you. You guys, uh you make it financially possible, but you also are, are praying, and you're drawing, and all these things are, are are helpful. But I have to be willing to do that. Now, there have been times that, I, like in the last couple of weeks, there was a lot of other things pressing on it. There was inspections that had to be done here on the building. There was uh, things that had to be done that way. There was Hallelujah Night. There was all these other... And there's other stuff. And I'm, I felt pulled out. And I didn't like what I felt. So uh, Father, I'm sorry I'm getting pulled off into some other things. I need to just get myself back into into doing that and just get a little more more isolated into to hearing those things because there's more things that He wants to wants to share and wants to speak. But there's going to be times that God is going to try and use you in this area of taking hold with Him in prayer. Don't be resistant to it. You may have people that you know about that you'll be praying, and there may be people that you don't know, but oh, how good is it if you can be one of those people that God says, hey, I got so-and-so over here. We can get a hold of them to pray for them. And he can start giving you some things in, in that area. So be looking for it. Be pressing in. This is something that that needs to happen. People are in difficult times or even in spiritual warfare. Both of the same things will, will come about. There is that taking together with. Now there's a main thing here I want you to get out of the application. In order to turn your difficult situation around, your faith in what God will do or has Done must be greater than your faith in the difficult situations remaining unaffected or even growing worse. If you are going to turn your situation around, then your faith in what God will do or has done, it has to be greater than the situation you're seeing. Then the belief that you have that that situation will not change and will maybe even get worse. That's what has to be. You've got to get yourself in that position. The same thing is with other people. You've got to get other people in that same place. They need to be in a place where their faith in what God will do or has done is greater than the difficult situation they face. Now, how you get there and what you're willing to receive will define what others can do for you in the area of prayer. How you get to that place and what you are willing to receive from others and from God and from his word will define what others can do for you in the area of prayer. If you shut down what God is sending your way to build you up, to get your faith over to where it needs to be, if you shut it down, then you shut down what God can do. And you may have, God may be working on other people to take to hold together with you and the Holy Spirit in that thing, but you have shut it down because you will not receive what God has. Here's the four things. When praying for others in need, I need to be able to engage what is against them. I need to be able to engage what is against them. There are different levels here. Each level involves some participation from them. There was some participation from them. The first is the gifts of the Spirit. So many of Jesus' meetings, those of Paul and Peter, the people with the need had to be open to the gifts and the one that came through. There were gifts that operated through Paul, but as soon as they got into rebellion against Paul and started writing and stuff, they shut it down. There was gifts inside of Jesus, but as soon as they started to become an unbelief against Jesus, it said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. They shut it down. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that's there, but the gift of the Spirit can't get people out of their difficult situations or the things that they're involved with, might even be spiritual warfare, because of what they've done. Nothing on the future growth matters as a qualifier to receive. There is nothing that you have to promise that I will grow, I will develop, I will do this. There are no qualifiers to receive in the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit move, they just come upon you regardless of what you are saying or hope for the future. But it does come into play when you are trying to retain what you receive. There's not a single time that Jesus ever said, all right, well, I'm going to do this for you, but you got to live right. (laughs) He never did that. Neither did Paul, neither did Peter, neither did any of the other disciples. That's not what you do. All right, first level. That's the easiest level there, the gifts of the Spirit. Second, teach and encourage them to grow to a higher level in their faith as they engage what is against them. Teach and encourage them to grow to a higher level in their faith as they engage what is against them. You're gonna find people out there, they're engaging something, but their faith is off. So you've got to teach them, you gotta engage them, you gotta do some things to try and help them and pull them up to a place where their faith is on the right level. That's something that you can do. You gotta do that first. The nobleman had come to a wrong understanding, but received what Jesus spoke to him and made adjustments. You're going to run into people just saying, all right, well, I'll pray with you on that matter. That's not going to do them any good. If there's something that needs to be taught, something they need to be encouraged to do, to grow, something to push them into a higher level of faith, because that faith has to be higher than their faith in the situation not changing. A lot of people have a faith in the situation not changing. Well, it's always been this way. I guess it always will. The Spirit of God will speak to you. Teach them this. Encourage them in this area. Point this out to them over here. And you got to let the Spirit of God uh, use you in that. When you really get moving in this, you can get to the point where you walk out in the Walmart looking for God to show you so, certain people. Strangers. Just total strangers. And God just speaks to you. Go over and talk to that person. And you talk to him, and you find out, well, you know, uh, what's going on in your life? You, you can walk your way around to that. And people that are hurting, they want to talk about it. And then the Word of God will just flow right out, here, out of you for them. And He'll show you some things you can do to teach and encourage them. You can even get their phone number and start to pursue them later on. But you've got to get them up to that level. The nobleman, he received it. His situation changed very quickly. I had a person just this week. They're in a difficult time. No doubt they're in a difficult time. They asked for prayer and some things, and I knew that the areas they were asking for prayer in, they were off. They were off a lot. So I tried to bring them up to a level that I could agree on, because I can't agree on what they were asking for. Nope, God's not in that. So I tried to bring them up to that. Tried several times. Fell on deaf ears. It didn't work. You're not always going to be successful. Sometimes people will shut you down. They shut Jesus down. They shut Paul down. They shut Peter down. They'll shut you down. Here's the third one. You get the second one? Teach and encourage them to grow to a higher level in their faith as they engage what is against them. As they engage what is against them. Third, listen and hear what they have built their faith to receive. And if in line with what you know, engage your part. Listen and hear what they have built their faith to receive. And if in line with what you know, engage your part. Some people are believing things that are either beyond you. Well, I'm not at that level yet. Or you know, that is not good. <laughs> that is wrong. You got to make sure that you're in line. Brother Hagin, would share that with us all the time. People will come up. Can you pray for me? Sure. For what? Do I have to tell you? Well, I'm not going to pray if you don't. He would always have that responsible. And then they would come out and they would, they would say, he would, he would teach them this. He would say, well, either you want me to agree with you in prayer and how can I agree if I don't know what it is? Or you want me to have faith in something that you're having faith for and how can I have faith in something that I don't know what it is? And so he had, he would teach them why you need to know and then they would just come on out and and they would do that. But listen and hear what they have built their faith to receive. And if it's in line with what you know, engage your part. The centurion had received teaching and had built an expectation on his understanding. Jesus could line up with it and did it. He engaged his part. The centurion had a belief, but it had something that Jesus needed to do. He needed to speak the word. And Jesus said, you know what? I can get in line. No one's ever asked me this before, but I can line up with this. This works. I like this one. The woman from Cana had, had come to a level in her faith. And when Jesus saw where she was at her level of faith, he said, hey, I can line up with that. And he did. Bartimaeus had come to a level in his faith. And Jesus saw immediately that he could line up with it. And he and did. Jesus' words were, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Listen and hear what they have built their faith to receive. And if in line with what you know, engage your part. They may come up to you and say, I know from the word that if you just lay your hands on me, I will receive my healing. All right, I can line up with that. And then you can engage your part and you can do it. So listen to what they're what they built their faith to receive. Sometimes people come out with something that's like, where, in the, "Where did you even come up with that idea that that would work, or that you could have faith on that?" Well, I don't know. I just was, you know, thinking. Well, no, go read the Word, find out what it has to say. Brother Hagan would tell us some of the places that he would go and have meetings. They had meetings then. You think we had long meetings when uh, a while back when we used to have five days worth of meetings. Now three weeks worth of meetings, six days a week. I believe they had uh, meetings there. And he said it, he saw that when, uh, they were ministering, well, three weeks, I guess, was the shortest. They would sometimes go six. They didn't just keep on going. But he said sometimes it would take two to three weeks, sometimes as much as three weeks before the first miracle would happen. And he saw lots of miracles, but he said sometimes it took three weeks of teaching them to get their, encourage them to build their faith up, to get them to believe in God for the right things before the first miracle would happen. And then, he said, once they once the first one happened, then more of them came. Not everybody would be willing to, to take that. No, just I'll come out here to the meeting, teach me what I need to know, and, and I can get healed. Here's the fourth one. To take hold of it with the Holy Spirit's aid, praying in the Holy Spirit. You take hold of that, that need, that request, that difficult cir- circumstance. You take hold of it with the Holy Spirit's aid, and you pray In the Holy Spirit. It's praying in tongues. This is especially true of things that are coming, but also that are here, but not fully unfolded. Sometimes we're involved in a difficult situation that has not fully unfolded yet. It's still dumping more stuff on us. Some of these are things that are to come. Jesus seems to have done this with Lazarus' situation. It hadn't fully unfolded yet. He's praying about it. But then it did unfold more. He died. He's dead four days. Other things began to happen. It could also be said for Peter in Luke 22 and 31. I'll just read these verses for you. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Sound like a difficult time? Sounds like even a spiritual warfare going on here. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Huh. Sounds like something that his future has not unfolded yet. And he's already prayed through the answer before it's even shown up. Now this level involves asking for help, even though they may not be equipped to do much themselves. When you get into this level, people are taking on a battle, they're not making headway, you're going to take hold of it with them. You're going to it's going to engage you. We're not just talking about taking hold with them and just walking around and making declarations, faith declarations every now and then. We're talking about getting before God, whether you get down on your knees, whether you lay down, whether you stand up, whether you walk, whether you, whatever it is that you do, there's no right posture. But you're going to get in there and you're going to press in, praying in the Spirit, looking for that connection. When you get that connection, somewhere along there, God's going to speak some things to you. You're going to find, oh, we broke through. Oh, yeah, got through there. We did this. And you'll be able to, to make those changes. So there's four areas there. I'll go over to, with you one more time. First off, the gifts of the Spirit. That can set people free from difficult situations. Second, teach and encourage them to grow to a higher level in their faith as they engage what is against them. The nobleman came with the wrong kind of understanding, but Jesus gave them some things to straighten them out. Listen and hear what they have built their faith to receive. And if in line with what you know, engage your part. The centurion, the woman from Cana, Bartimaeus, they had faith built up. Jesus said, I can line up with this. I can I can get on board with this. And he engaged his part in that thing. And fourth, take hold of it with the Holy Spirit's aid, praying in the Holy Spirit. Like Like it seems that Jesus had done with Lazarus and very possibly also Peter's situation. So these are some situations you can pray, some ways that you can pray for difficult situations, that you can involve yourself in the battle. There is a there is a battle that's going on. We need to learn the art of taking hold of something with the Spirit. It doesn't always happen right away. Sometimes it can take some time. Stories I've heard of people sharing, they sometimes prayed all night. They sometimes prayed several hours, but they, they made the connection. They got the thing going. And when they made the connection, then they started to see the changes happen. Well, Father, we thank you for these ways that we can change the situations that are around in our lives as well as those that are in others, that we have found ourselves in difficult situations, maybe not a spiritual battle taking place, but you're still concerned about them and you want to see them made better. We thank you that we can do our part. But help us not to follow the way of religion just say, well, we'll pray for you on that. We'll do this. But to actually engage the way people did in in the Word of God and follow their example. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Any comments, questions? Anything to add? Anything I missed in your blanks? Sharon wants to know, how do we know if we have made a connection? Yeah, it's um, it's hard to define it, but you'll feel that change in your spirit. You're going to go from a place of laboring, um, working through, taking hold with the spirit. There's a labor that is there to all of a sudden the, labor, the the thing lifts and joy comes in. That's one of the things you'll see, with, especially joy will come in and where there was a heaviness. Now the, the joy comes in, you know, you've you made through, you, you made the connection, you broke through. So I would say that's the easiest, from my experience, that has been the easiest way to uh, to tell that part. All right, well, as you engage in some of these things on your own, love to hear what the Spirit of God teaches you as you do so, because He'll be teaching you. You want to, If you start to get involved in, in praying for others in this way or even just praying for yourself in this way, He's going to teach you some things. You can learn some things praying for yourself that you can apply praying for others. So don't feel like you're being selfish just praying for yourself in this. That's sometimes a training ground, a place where I can I can learn what I need to do. But we surely ought to be getting involved. There ought to be some people that uh, that God can call on and say, well, we got sister so-and-so, we got brother so-and-so, we can get a hold of them. That's wake them up in the night because when I wake them up in the night, they get up and they pray. They involve themselves and uh, they'll, they'll take hold of it. I don't always have to know what the thing is when I have that burden to pray. I Sometimes just going off and just praying the Spirit. Just praying the Spirit. And as you go on through, you'll notice that change in your spirit. Ah, oh, we broke through. And uh, a couple of the stories Brother Hagin would tell us, they never knew what they broke through on until later on when somebody came and told them. Oh, that's what we were praying about. <laughs> don't worry, we already got the answer. I, was, I loved that story that he told. I don't, uh, it's one of the ones I listened to recently, but I don't know if it's one of the ones that I shared with you on the, um, on the Monday teaching. But if not, it's probably in the queue to come on out eventually. All right. Well, thanks all for coming out. And we will see you next Wednesday.